and welcome to your unconscious update for this beautiful Friday morning. Um, man, two weeks off, two weeks off, refreshed, feeling refreshed. Um, like I said last week, sometimes it is nice to have a weekend off. You know, we don't always have five or six hours to watch these damn things, but I'm excited. I'm feeling refreshed. I think we got a really good card coming up this weekend. Um, lots to look forward to, um, and I'm excited. I'm excited to lay around, do nothing, and watch guys fist fight each other. So, so what? What's the news? What is the news this week? Um, a couple fun ones. A couple. Uh, a couple little interesting, interesting things going on in the world. Um, one that's kind of making the rounds. It's pretty big. Is uh, if you're a fighter and a kid fan. Um, and you know anything about Brennan Schaub, this last week he, uh, he, he outlined a pretty um, gruesome story. Um, Schaub's a hero. Schaub is a hero. You know, helped some, helped some kids out of a car crash, pulled up, um, driving down the highway, saw a jackknife big rig, and a car that was all mangled, hopped out of his car, helped the kiddos out of the car, get them to safety. Unfortunately, their, uh, their mother uh, was killed in the car crash, and uh, the father was kind of a crazy loon who was trying to kill them all or kill himself or, or something, something outside of his mind, um, which is uh, super sad to see. Um, but fortunately, fortunately, our, our boy Brennan Schaub was there, was there, you know. I salute you, Brennan Schaub. I salute you. Doing the Lord's work, taking care of those kiddos, um, something to be commended, I think, something to be commended. A, a horrible, horrific, tragic type of thing, obviously, um, but one of those things that, that – should be celebrated. You can shit on Schaub for for many, 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 many things. Totally agree with that. But um, you know, give kudos where kudos due. So that was kind of a, uh, um, you know, I don't know, you know, just something something to see that we can all uh, hopefully, hopefully, we could all just say good on you, good on you. So that was a pretty crazy story. Um, if you haven't seen it, go watch the fighter and the kid. You know, stop watching me. And go watch uh, the fighter and the kid, but um, pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting story, and you get to hear it from the horse's mouth um, whenever Shab tells Callan and the boys on the fighter and the kid. So that was a pretty interesting story that seems to be going around that uh, quite a few people heard in the MMA world, uh, and it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, aside from that, aside from that, in the actual world of MMA, a um, couple people got cut. A couple people got cut from the UFC this last week. Um, namely one of the ones that stuck out in my mind was Yancey Medeiros. Um, this one, in all honesty, I felt like was a long time coming. Nothing against Yancey. I mean, he's a, he's a, you know, more than competent fighter, more than competent fighter and has been in there with, I mean, almost everybody. I think he's a lightweight. I'm, I'm 90%. Let's just go with that. He's a lightweight. Um, pretty sure he's in the lightweight division, but man, mix it up with, he might be a featherweight anyways, whichever one it was. Um, mixed it up with freaking everybody. Sh fought, shot, uh, fought Charles Oliveira, um, fought Cowboy, fought, I mean, freaking everybody. And was an exciting fighter. But, you know, let's be realistic, you know, kind of came out on the losing end of those just a few too many times. And I think he was on a four-fight losing skid. Um, so kind of a sad thing to see him go. Man, this last, this last year, they've been axing heads left and right. I mean, they are trimming the fat around here, you know. Um, and this will kind of lead into the the next big thing that that's kind of been going around with fighter pay. But yeah, I think just man, if you are not cutting the mustard, 
a lot of legacy fighters, a lot of guys that are kind of OGs or, or, or pioneers or been around for a long time. <laughs> that That is something that I think that the UFC, or maybe Dana in particular, does kind of pay uh, his respects to. And um, those guys, I think, get a little more forgiveness. Um, but a guy like, you know, a guy like Yancey, four fights, they, they got to trim the fat. They have something like 500 fighters on the roster, um, and they're constantly – constantly taking heat for fighter pay like they gotta they gotta they gotta make the business run you know what i'm saying so it's not overly surprising uh but yeah so that was one of those things with uh, I, I can't remember who the uh, i think um james jordan james or i think that was his name he was another guy that got cut as well um also on a four fight losing streak so pretty pretty run-of-the-mill stuff but those are the kinds of things that that you'll just kind of not see or forget about um, or you might just see them pop up in an organization and wonder why. Like, hey, wh why? last time I saw him, he used to fight in the UFC a bunch, you know? And you just kind of forget, like, oh, yeah, he was losing for a long time and nobody ever talked about him getting cut. So, anyways, uh, the other – the thing that is just so hot right now where it's coming around, it's coming around. Thank – you know, thanks to Jake Paul, our good friend Jake Paul, you know, I guess doing the Lord's work, preaching about fighter pay – um, but I've talked, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, this, this, the topic of fighter pay gets brought up. It seems like every, I don't know, every year or so, two years, um, there might be a notable character who's going through some kind of negotiating, you know, thing or, or, or there's just something that brings it to light again. They might start talking about a union so far in this whole scramble. We haven't, I haven't heard too much about a union so far, uh, I have not heard too much about that, but man, the, the, the topic of fighter pay is just really getting, um, brought up again and I get it. I get it. You know, the, the thing with it, it's just so hard. It's so, it's so much more complicated than guys, than, than, than people want to make it out to be. I told first off and foremost, I totally agree. They should get paid more. I mean, that's just like statistically not an argument. I mean, a lot of guys have been bringing up like, Whenever you look at the other major sporting organizations, like their payout to their players is something like 50% of their profits or 40. I think it's of profits or whatever it is, but whatever their payout, it's a percentage scale of whatever metric is how they're paying their athletes. And the UFC is like way behind the others, way behind the others. Like they're paying the other ones are up closer to 50%. And, and the UFC is paying out like 17 or 18%. So that that right there, like that being the argument that they should be paying out more, it, I don't think really is argued. They obviously should be paying out more, like 100%. Um, but it's just when you get into the nitty-gritty. It's such a unique sport. It's not like the other sports. It's just not, you know. Um, and maybe it should be restructured to where they can be more like the other sports. And I guess that that is more what the conversation should be. Um, but, yeah, whenever people just make comparisons to like, you know, oh, the guy on the undercard. Yeah, we get it. If you if you if you if you're a pay-per-view draw, you're going to get paid. But if you're just some newcomer that's on the undercard, you're not going to get paid that much, you know. But then people will like kind of conflate that to uh, to like the the you know, the 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 center in the in one of the lower NFL teams one of the, the lesser prestigious NFL teams, like the center or like a defensive lineman that nobody knows who it is or nobody knows his name. He's not a superstar, you know. Um, 
that he's obviously getting paid way way more but it's just different it's just different people i mean the minimum in the U in the in the nfl the nfl minimum is like six hundred and sixty thousand dollars, right but they're playing 17 games and there's a lot of guys getting paid the minimum the league minimum maybe just right there uh, like under a million or something but they're playing 17 games so they're getting paid like 38k a game you know so if you think about it on an event by event basis a lot of these guys that are getting paid you know 20 and 20 that that's the whole other thing you know the win, the whole fight and win uh, I think should totally be changed. I think they should get paid what they're worth, and that should be it. You can do, you can do fight bonuses and all that fun stuff. That's all good, but the whole the whole uh, show money and win money needs to be revised 100. percent But if you just look at it on an event by event basis, like some of those are, I'm all I'm saying is that some of those arguments, like comparing a lower tiered fighter to a lower tiered NFL player, like it is arguable that they're getting paid somewhat similar you know, on an event by event basis. But that, that, but obvious, I get it. Obviously they're not the same sport and what they're doing is not the same. And should they be compensated as such? I totally agree. I totally agree because if these fighters could fight 17 times a year, they would, they a hundred percent would. If it meant that they were going to get paid 38 K or 40 K a fight, and they would fight 17 times, and they would make three quarters of a million dollars, then yeah, they would do it. They would 100% do it. And the NFL guys, they're 100% going to do it. You know, the risk is much lower for them. But, and just the, 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 the structure of the game and the sport just allows them to do so. But that I just bring that up because I just think that it's, that it is more complicated than, than people make it sound, you know, and the fact that they are all so, in, they are all different independent contractors. There is no MMA team. Yes, there's gyms that have a stable of fighters who are, in fact, a team, but each of them is individual, and, 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 all, and they're just four guys compared to this whole 500-guy roster, you know, and, and, and they're just so independent and getting them to work together. It's just, it's such an interesting topic. It really is. It's a really interesting topic that I don't know how it's going to be solved. Does anybody really, are you hearing any sound, logical, like new schemes to get fighters paid more? Like, are you seeing any type of just new structure? Uh, I'm not seeing anything. I just hear the fighters complaining about it, you know, and, and we d obviously you're not going to hear much from the UFC about it. They're just going to act like y'all are ridiculous. Um, Dana White's going to shuck off Jake Paul and try to just kind of demean what he's doing and devalue what he's saying to act like he is paying them well. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, until somebody, they, they really start to organize and come up with some solutions instead of just like, yeah, Jake Paul's doing the Lord's work, shining the light on it and getting it back into the zeitgeist, getting it back in on the lips of fans and the media. But you know, who is going to draft up a proposal that's going to fix this whole problem? I don't know who, who knows, you know, and, uh, one this just randomly thinking about thinking about Sean O'Malley. Whatever you think about Sean O'Malley, uh, I I I kind of like what he's been bringing to this whole argument. But not I, I I don't know. I mean, if you don't if you don't know what Sean O'Malley's been talking about, Sean O'Malley came out talking about why he's been he's been taking a lot of heat for taking lesser tiered fights than a lot of people probably feel he should, um, and, and he's bringing up 
that he's in a contract. You know, he's in a contract for for multiple fights, and there's a set con- contractually obligated pay scale that he agreed to in his contract. He's getting paid for each of these fights on his contract, like period. You know, yeah, he can go get a performance bonus if he gets a big highlight reel knockout or a big finish or a performance, you know, bonus, but but he's getting paid at while this contract runs out. And he knows that he's a superstar. If you don't think that if you don't think, you know, uh um Sean O'Malley is one of the biggest names in the sport right now, then you don't know the sport. And he really is. I mean, whatever you think about him, he's got all the makings of a superstar. He's got all of the marketing hype around him. He's got he's got he's got the the weird look. He's got the unique style. He's got he's got the 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 verbal skills. You know, he's got the actual fighting skills to back it up. Um, and it's really I and I totally agree with Sean O'Malley. It is really smart not to go taking crazy high tiered fights whenever you're stuck in this lower paid contract like fight the 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 way way lower ranked fighters than you can the easiest fights that you can get on the biggest cards so that you're getting eyes on you and you can just piece these guys up like you did chris matino his last fight you know and this is one of those like behind scenes like inside baseball kind of moments that in all honesty for sean o'malley is probably better left unsaid but it's most likely because he's just been taking a shitload of heat the last, you know, handful of months um, for for taking like that Chris Matino fight where, you know, he just did he just could not knock him out that like for whatever reason Chris Matino's got a head made of a center block and he just could not knock him out. But he did literally everything else you could do to that guy. Literally every single thing else you could do to that guy. Completely outclassed him. Just it looked like he was fighting some middle schooler, you know, like just piecing him up. And, and and I think it took a lot of criticism for that, that he's fighting guys that he's way outclassed, like outclassed over, way outclassed over. Um, and he's kind of having to defend himself, you know. So I, I totally get that. He probably should not be talking about it, but I get the fact that, that you know, he's probably taking some heat. But I totally agree, man. This, that's the kind of stuff, like as a fighter, as a management team, like – you don't need to be rushing them to the top. You don't need to be rushing them to the top. The UFC probably wants that to happen because they're going to get giant, giant events out of you and have to pay you way less, you know? And that's just the nature of the beast. They're these short-term contracts. It's not like a football contract where it's, you know, $20 million over five years or or $100 million over 10 years or whatever the hell. I mean, they have such long-term contracts in the other sports especially like baseball and stuff. But these guys, it's just three fights and it's like, or five fights. That, that could be over in a year and a half with some of these guys, you know, it, it depends. And, and whenever you see guys that aren't being as active, then yeah, that might be why as well. They're just, they have so many fights left and they really want to pick and choose and, and stretch it out. It's such a unique business that obviously you can just ramble on and on and on about like I'm currently doing. So I should probably wrap it up, but it's just, you know, it's in the news again. It's in the news again, and, and it won't be – it's not going to be through anytime soon. Jake Paul, for whatever reason, has become the, the freaking spearhead of this movement, um, and he's got so many eyes on him right now. We've got the Tyron Woodley fight coming up. Um, as long as he keeps winning, as long as he stays relevant, which he, he's going to be relevant, I mean, for the foreseeable future, he's going to be relevant. Uh, he's going to be bringing it up. He's going to be acting like 
the 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 president of the fighters union trying trying to trying to do this you know and i don't know what is his his overall is it just a altruistic um type of uh endeavor that he just wants to help people i mean i don't know he doesn't seem like the most charitable guy but who knows what the motives are there you know if ultimately he's just trying to you know because he's not talking about boxers he's talking about mma fighters and he, I think he just has, uh, you know, who God knows what strategies Jake Paul has to draw more and more MMA fighters over to this exhibition style fights with him. But I don't know. It's in the news a ton right now. Um, everyone, everyone's kind of talking about it. And anybody that can or or is is in a position to negotiate or bring up their pay, they're all bringing it up. So we'll see what happens. Like I said, I want to see a tangible like usable proposal that actually shows like, how are we going to change things up? How are we going to mix things up? Um, and, 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 and another big announcement that, uh, that we, that, that I saw reported was, um, this was the UFC's highest earning first half in, in history. I'm pretty sure this was their biggest first half earnings ever. You know, a lot of had, a lot of it had to do with coming out of the pandemic. They could start bringing in, you know, you know, bringing fans back to arenas and they sold out multiple arenas right when they came out of COVID and they've been cranking out events left and right. I mean, this is the second time we're talking about how they're cranking out events every freaking week. I mean, we barely go, this was like the first time in almost two or like two and a half months that we, that we had a weekend off without an event. And so they are cranking them out. Um, you know, people are watching more and more and they had their highest earnings first half of all time, um, which you better believe is going to get brought up in the whole fighter pay, um, the whole fighter pay uh, comp topic. It should by any by by all means it should. You know if they're having their biggest years ever and they're still underpaying fighters and it's it's so perfectly timed when a guy like Jake Paul is just blasting them every chance he get every interview he does. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see what happens ultimately. You know we'll see what happens and it might die down. Um, it might die down again because like I said, this is this is not the first go round of this. And, and it seems to crop up and die down and crop up and die down. Very dependent on, on who's popular at the time, very dependent on just what's going on with the UFC at the time. So we'll see. We'll see. I hope something happens. I hope something happens because they do deserve it. They do deserve it. They're putting a lot on the line, uh, and they should be, uh, compensated accordingly. Um, so anyways, this, uh, this weekend's card, fun, fun one, really fun one. Um, I think a lot, a lot on the prelims, you know, there's some, you know, a lot of newer names, a lot of lesser names, uh, to, to be looking at, but the main card looks fun. You know, the main card looks fun. You know, the undercard Roosevelt Burns, the Sasha Palat, Nikov, um, handful of the, the Ramiz, Brahimaj, the, there's some good fights on the undercard for sure. Um, but the main card is what, where people are going to be really looking, um, you know, starting off the fight with uh, Alexander Pantoja and Brandon Royval, um, probably like a number one contender type fight, uh, especially for for Pantoja. I mean, he's ranked number three right now, and this is the, in the flyweight division. Um, should be a fun scrap. Should be a fun scrap. In, in all honesty, the flyweight division, for being where it was, you know, two years ago, well, probably two years ago, when they were going to scrap the whole division, when they were going to scrap it. Um, and, but man, it's been as exciting as ever. You have a lot of characters like Brandon Moreno, the current champion to thank for that for sure. Um, but man, there, I mean, that, that, that division is still going strong, still going strong. 
Um, and it's, it's interesting to think that they were on the brink of extinction just not too long ago. And for whatever reason, it just survived and then it's still, it's still going. So, uh, that should be a really fun fight to start the card off. Then we got Austin Hubbard and Vince Pichel. Um, should be a great lightweight belt. Trevin Jones against uh, Kakramanov uh, should be a fun one. And then we get into uh, heavyweights, Parker Porter and Chase Sherman. Man, whenever you look at uh, – we're looking at Cyril Gaon and, and Francis Ngannou's of the world, you know, these these Greek gods, these chiseled statues. And then we've got Parker Porter and Chase Sherman. Team all body, baby. All body. Um, I'm just joking. I'm just, you know, fat shaming. But – in all honesty, these guys are as talented as it gets, man. Super fun, fun, knockout, heavy-handed heavyweights. You know I mean? And, and by all means, we should probably end up with a knockout in this fight. You know, it's a heavyweight fight. It's a heavyweight fight. It's rare that we're, we, we, we don't say that we're not going end to end up with a knockout. But both of these guys, you know, Parker Porter's got a lot of power. Chase Sherman, uh, super aggressive, really aggressive guy. You know, not afraid to just stand in the pocket and trade. Like, whenever you see guys coming in on Chase Sherman, I mean, he's not evading. He's not using his footwork to get out, slip, and counter. I mean, he's standing his ground, and he's going to slug with you. I mean, he's going to meet you in the middle, um, which should be a good recipe for a fun uh, a fun stand-up fight, man. It should be a really good fight between Parker Porter and Chase Sherman. So that one will definitely be worth not missing. Don't miss that one. Uh, you got a good, good chance of a big, uh, big finish in that fight. And then our boy, our boy coming from the old school, coming from the old school, Clay Guida, the carpenter, one of my all time favorites, all time favorites, and just still doing it, still doing it. And, and, and he, Clay Guida has been looking great as of late, been looking great. Um, and seems to be motivated as motivated as ever, <laughs> You know, and, and Clay's 39, 39 years old or something like that. Um, but I love his mentality, you know, and, and, he, and he has a, a lot to say about being, you know, about his age that, you know, he said a couple years ago he was talking about, like, men truly are, you know, in their prime at around 35 years old. So, I mean, he's just right there, right around his prime, still feels strong, still quick, can still mix it up, has all the experience in the world. Um, you know, he, he, he's... He he's been at the top of the game. He's 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 been all he's fought in every situation you can, and he's just still doing it, man. And 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 I think Clay Guida is still as exciting as it gets to watch fight. As exciting as it gets, you know. And he's taking on Mark Madsen. Um, this this will be an interesting one, though. This will be an interesting one because I think when you look at recipes, recipes for fights, um, unfortunately, this one could turn into a snooze fest. It could. It could. I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't. I hope it's fun. I hope we get into uh, some big scraps, like big exchanges, trying to get to takedowns. But in all honesty, we got Clay Guida, who is primarily a grappler, primarily a grappler, not not the most polished stand-up artist on the planet, um, and really relies on his wrestling skills, has very strong wrestling skills, um, and his finishes typically come from TKOing guys on the ground. You know, he's got a great ground-and-pound game. And he will mix it up to get it to the ground. And then Mark Madsen is like one of the more decorated wrestlers in the game right now. I mean, he's got, I mean, so many like European Greco-Roman wrestling championships. He's a silver medalist in Greco-Roman. The guy knows how to wrestle. The guy knows how to wrestle. So both of these guys' skill base is in wrestling. 
um, which could be fun. They could nullify each other. They could be stuck up on their feet, and they could just throw caution to the wind, and we could get a really fun, um, a really fun fist fight out of these two. Uh, and I really, I really hope we see a good mix up. You know, it's just I, 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 I'm tentative. You know, I get tentative in these types of fights because I, it gets me excited. I love, I like both of these guys a, a ton, a ton. I just said Clay Guida is one of my top, maybe top ten fighters of all time for me personally. Uh, Mark Madsen is a super exciting character, man. And I don't think he's been, Mark Madsen hasn't been in the uh, the UFC very long now. Only two fights. He's 10-0, undefeated. You know, fairly fresh to the game. I don't think he's a spring chicken. I mean, he's 36 as well, mostly because he spent, you know, his entire uh, um, youth wrestling. And he's only been in the game since, you know, 2013, you know, but took took some longer layoffs probably for, I don't know if it was for the Olympics or not, but... Um, but still 10 and 0, very promising guy, has some finishing power, um, has some submissions in his game. So it should be a really exciting matchup. We'll get to see, we're, we're really just scratching the sur- surface of what Mark Matson has to bring to the table. Um, we kind of know what Clay Guida is going to bring to the table. So that's what makes this fight kind of interesting. Um, but that's definitely the co-main event. Definitely one to watch. And then we got the, the, the main event, Jared Cannonier and Kelvin Gastelum. Jared Cannonier just right there on the brink, right there on the brink of a title fight. Um, Kelvin, I think, is uh, probably a few away. Um, you know, Jared. I mean, he, it's just he's he's finally found a home at middleweight. That's been that's been Jared Cannonier's issue, going from heavyweight to light heavyweight, then down to middleweight. I mean, he's been fighting in the UFC. Uh, I, I mean, since 2015. Uh, but only his last uh, four fights have been a middleweight. Only four fights have been a middleweight. Three wins and one loss to Robert Whitaker. You know, the kings of that division are Robert Whitaker and Israel Adesanya. I mean, I don't know who's going to argue that. I mean, those guys are kind of destined to just fight each other, um, it seems. I mean, the king is Izzy. I mean, the king is Izzy. He finished, he finished Robert Whitaker. But Robert Whitaker just, like, cannot be beat by anybody else, it seems. Um but yeah, I mean, Jared Cannon has just been on a tear in the middleweight division since he's really seemed to found a home there. I mean, got got his body weight where it needs to be. I mean, he's got all he's got all that experience at the heavier weight classes. I mean, he's got he's got everything it takes to be a champion there, and he just he's got to get over the likes of of Kelvin Gastelum. I mean, Kelvin Gastelum has been you know in a very different situation. I think he's uh, he's a little lower in the rankings, like number seven. He's lost probably he's lost what four out of his last five but you know three you know one of those was for the interim championship against Israel Adesanya and I think that was like a fight of the year I mean it was definitely a fight of the night lost a split decision to split decision to Darren Till lost to Robert Whitaker who we just talked about so I mean he, he he's really uh you know I don't know what he's I don't know what situation he's in he's a couple fights away from the title that's for sure um, but we've got, you know, Jared Cannon He comes out and, and puts a stamp, a, a big-handed victory against Kelvin. He's just going to be sitting and waiting for the next title shot, like almost certainly, almost certainly. So it's a, it's a pretty fun um, – as far as the politics go, as far as the rankings go in the middleweight division, this is a fun fight. Um, I think a lot's going to uh, uh, change up or, or happen depending on what Cannon can do um, or if he just kind of falls flat and loses – which uh, can definitely happen, man. Kelvin, Kelvin Gaslam is as good as it gets. You know, if 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 you brought a filthy casual over, or they they joined you at Buffalo Wild Wings to watch the fights, and they look at Jared Cannonier and and look at Kelvin Gaslam, it's it's one of those classic uh, 
classic visual discrepancies where it just seems like, how is this guy going to compete with that guy? That guy looks terrifying and that guy looks a little doughy, you know? Um, but he's always been like that. I mean, always. And Kelvin Gastelum has his fight IQ and his, his boxing and striking in, in his quickness is just, it's so surprisingly good. And he's so, he's so much faster than you think, um, than he looks and just has all the skills in the world. I mean, has been fighting. I mean, he doesn't take any easy fights. Doesn't take any easy fights. Um, and this is not an easy fight as well. Another not easy fight for Kelvin Gastelum. I mean, you got a terror in Jared Cannon there who can finish you at any moment. So should be a really, really fun fight and will be very interesting for that middleweight division, which, like we've talked about a couple times now, is just, I mean, arguably, arguably one of the the most competitive divisions right now. And I feel like it's been a long time since we could say that. You know, back in the Rich Franklin, um, Anderson Silva Prime kind of days when it, it was one of the most exciting uh, uh, divisions. But I felt like it was a lull there. No disrespect to Chris Weidman, you know, True American, um, or Luke Rockhold and those guys, because that was kind of the era right after right after that. But and, and and it always it always has been a, a really competitive division, but man, right now it's just stacked. It's just stacked. When when you've got you know, you've got Vittori and Costa, you've got Robert Whitaker, Cannoneer, uh, Tills getting into the mix now against Derek Brunson. I mean, it's it's uh it's tough, man. And then even right d- down below them, you know, with with Shabazian and 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 Kevin Holland and Uriah Hall and Sean Strickland now and Luke Rockhold getting back into the mix. So it's really interesting. It's a really interesting, uh, really interesting um, uh, division right now for sure. So it should be a fun event. I'm glad, uh, you know, I got a little uh, break over this last week. Got to rest, recuperate a little bit. Now ready to get back into the fights. So that's your unconscious update for the weekend. Have a good one. Enjoy the fights. We'll see you on Monday. Bye.